Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 57th Think Again program. It's our 15th remote program uh, during the time of the coronavirus. The program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, who has been around and dedicated to social work for almost 23 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about local government and other institutions and the ways they can answer to their masters and not to us citizens. Mm-hmm. That's right. We'll argue that local governments, like most public and non-government agencies, have become corporatized and bureaucratic beasts. This continues a theme from quite a few of our past programs that looked at the ways in which power is robbed from us, the people. One of the underlying themes in our Think Again programs has been managerialism and its links with neoliberalism and economic rationalism. Mm, So just to revisit, under managerialism, all organisations become like sausage factories delivering a product, even if that product happens to be things like health, education or the natural world, for that matter. And under neoliberalism, the world is viewed as a marketplace where products are bought and sold. So under neoliberalism, we're all defined by our role in the marketplace of life because life is assumed to be a marketplace. Mm. For example, we become consumers and clients rather than citizens or even just people. In past programs, we've talked about the ways in which welfare services, for example, and the education system have been faring during the last 30 or so years, and the ways in which government and business uh, reacted to the successive economic crisis we have experienced. It always returned to the insidious combination uh, and interpenetration of neoliberalism and managerialism. As a matter of fact, our first few programs successively dealt with the ideology of managerialism and how this links with neoliberalism, uh, certainly like uh, confirmed by the economist Piketty, who just published his second monster book of over a thousand pages, and he titled it Capital and Ideology. So ideology certainly connects managerialism and capitalism. And mm. neoliberalism. In our early programs, right. we have, for example, talked about the economy, the banking and franchise disaster, and later also uh, have had an interview with people from uh, local municipal councils and events mm. under their governments. So revisiting some of our early Think Again podcasts might be worthwhile to see some mm. of the connections we are suggesting. Yeah, so last week, of course, we were back to it, talking about the effects of the dead hand of managerialism and neoliberalism on our universities. 
or in other words, the ongoing project and intention of governments to convert universities into money-making factories, something that it started during the early mm. and mid-1990s already. Yeah, that's right. In the latest move, the federal government wants to disincentivize, as they call it, people from doing the humanities by making them cost too much. At the same time, it wants to make courses cheaper that it thinks will save the economy. We couldn't re resist quoting Mark Tredinick on this topic. In his article, he has an article called The Inhumanities or The War on the Humanities and Why Our Humanity is at Stake. So he says, we need the humanities to remind us how to be human. We need them to show us the best and worst that humans are capable of. The moral universe is the realm of the humanities. One way and another, through learning history, languages, ethics, design, logic, aesthetics, grammar, composition, graceful speech, the humanities ask us and try to show us how to do better as humans, to think harder and more astutely, to look farther and deeper, to decide for ourselves, informed by the wisdom of ages and many ways of seeing. The humanities show us how to make more livable societies and more beautiful moments and places. They teach us how and why to ask of ourselves or they teach us how and why to ask more of ourselves and of language and of government, which may be why a government like this wants to price the humanities out of reach, unquote. Mm. Resonates very much with what we quoted last week. So he goes on. Mm -hmm. The arts teach, uh, teach one how the real world goes and that it does not go the way ideologues in religion and banking say it does. The real world has nature in it and music and fine language and forests and love. And God help us, beauty the humanities teach one how to be a citizen, a being, and not just a consumer or an employee. They teach how you how a job is not a life, how a good life might go, how self-interest will not keep civilization livable, how technical knowledge, though great, is not the same thing mm -hmm. as wisdom. Mm, so, backing shark. up our view that universities have become like sausage factories, needing to be efficient in delivering products like vegetables or underwear or something to the marketplace, we stumbled over an advertisement uh, for a university, the University Post at Post. Queen Mary University in London. So, the job which was being advertised was named Head of Process Improvement. I hope you're sitting down. So uh, that was mentioned in, it was uh, sort of as an introduction used in an article by Christian Garland. It was titled, long title, but it was about the corporatized university. So mm. the advert and the job description of the head of process improvement sounds like follows. Mm -hmm. Managing a team of process improvement project managers, the head of process improvement will champion a change in behavior and culture 
at Queen Mary University of London. Placing process improvement and a value-for-money agenda at the heart of professional services, both centrally and in academic schools. Mm. So there. Uh, and that, that's an advert for a university post, a, a leadership post. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, they haven't studied the humanities too much, whoever's mm-hmm. doing this. Exactly. So it, it does... The, I know, Jacques, it seems to both of us that such dehumanised dehumanized framing describe everything that's wrong with what's happening to our universities. So anyway, let's have a rest. We'll go on to talk about local government after a song and a promo. The song is Isolation by New Zealand artist Bachelorette. Digitube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming. Download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. 
listening to Think Again 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and Streaming Live at 3cr.org.au. By the way, we will be putting the article we quoted from, from Christine Garland, on the program, uh, on the program file or program page. <laughs> Today we're now talking about the ways in which the potential for real grassroots people power at a local government level is really robbed from us. Mm. So looking at our local governments, these are are the institutions that often pride themselves as the local face of government. Supposedly, it's the level of government closest to citizens at a grassroots level, as you just suggested, Shark. Unfortunately, Mm. local governments have become perfect examples of the corporatised bureaucratic approach we refer to as managerialism. Mm, That's right. As mentioned before and in previous programs, managerialism has plagued our education, health and welfare sectors and a full range of public institutions since the early and mid-90s. Yeah, and just to reiterate a few points, within the managerialist model, all things are beholden to the free market, including humans, relationships, organisations, government processes, and even nature. Mm. What these organisations actually do is referred to as being delivered. So these organisations, they deliver products. It's all organised through managerial processes detailed as inputs, outputs, outcomes, etc. I'm sure a lot of listeners will Mm recognise this lingo. It's, It's all like being processed on a conveyor belt. Yeah, we even have heard a federal minister saying in one of the interviews that he's about delivering outcomes. And Mm -hmm. that could obviously include things like happiness, contentment, satisfaction, or probably a little spot of bafflement. Our area, one area that has come into a rather negative light under the coronavirus pandemic is aged care, for example, presently examined through yet another Royal Commission, which was another program mm-hmm. of ours. Professor Henry Cutler from Macquarie University suggests in The Age last Tuesday that the Royal Commission recently suggested that too much faith has been placed in market forces and consumer choice as the primary driver of quality improvement. So even mm-hmm. the royals start noticing. But that's right, and it mm. took a royal commission. <laughs> but um, back mm. to local government, the locals aren't really citizens or even people anymore under neoliberalism. They're, they're not, something not else. Not even service users with a degree of entitlement to the services they receive. They're customers or consumers. The wisdom of this framing is hardly questioned or even wondered about in these organizations. Even today, when it has become obvious how disenfranchised, estranged even, people feel. Yes, um, so having become top-down hierarchical institutions run by a CEO, CEO, the workers in local government and and also welfare and community organizations, Mm -hmm. they become operative just carrying out the actions detailed via the management plan, often done every four years, and often via IT systems which are managing cases virtually and managing their cases and trying to meet their expected performance measures or... 
KPIs. Um, yeah, but to be fair, this still includes many workers at local governments and welfare organisations. They're doing, and many workers are still doing their best to nurture communities, uh, create empowering relationships with locals, uh, to make the world a better and more sustainable place. But it, with the best will, they're now expected to engage in customer service, run within ever tighter managerialist, micromanaged constraints. Yeah. Mm. Another thing that stops local governments being accountable to communities at a grassroots level is the fact that they are answerable upwards to the state government uh, and even sometimes the federal government. Local government mm -hmm. is a third tier of government is not included in the Australian constitution and their powers are granted by state governments and territories. A lot of what gov local governments do and how they operate is compliance with a wide range of state and even federal government regulations and legislation. And much of their funding derives from these levels of government. Yeah, that's right, Jacques. So this forces mm. them to remain heavily bureaucratised entities and mm -hmm. this bureaucracy right. consumes, really consumes the lion's share of their resourcing. That's right. At the same time, local governments, there's very little they can draw on to create income streams for themselves, except from mm -hmm. rates and fees. And these funds, they go mostly into roads, swings and roundabouts, as mm -hmm. the saying goes. <laughs> That's right. mm. So, yeah, of course, with their top-down managerial approach, an hierarchy from the CEO downwards, as well as with all their legislative and regulatory obligations, there's actually not a lot left in the council budget for true community-driven initiatives, at least with the current way they do things. Mm. For example, enabling true community ownership over the directions of local infrastructure and natural environment policies and approaches to their maintenance and sustainability. They are few and limited in scope. Uh, we, you can refer back to our past program on the Upfield Corridor Coalition, with locals trying to have influence on the planning and building of the metro train overpasses in that area. That's right. Mm. Yeah, um, um, unsuccessfully, we should say. Mm. So usually the way it goes is that elected councillors mm. are allowed some modest influence over the council budget to be spent on some of their pet projects, mostly in their own electoral wards. So mm. they may be thrown a few bones in some cases. Beyond that, the local government machinery pretty much trundles on as it always has, as directed by outside forces and influences, which we've just been talking about. Mm. And again, just to qualify, of course I'm generalising, and there are exceptions, and many councillors find wriggle room and make some really positive change. And then sometimes the time just becomes right, as happens with social action. The time becomes mm. right, and the desired change on behalf of the community is allowed to happen. Yeah. One other thing we should mention, as it has become aired in the media a few days ago, councillors have become increasingly beholden to the major political parties. The branch stacking episode in Victoria has certainly highlighted that, is that mm -hmm. issue again, with Melbourne mayor, the Melbourne mayor piping up about the 
very publicly a couple of days ago. Once yeah. more, councillors then are beholden to their respective party masters who set them up, power again being drawn away from local issues and channeled to state and federal party interests rather than mm. fulfilling the promised the promise of local government issues and uh, governance. But uh, let's yeah. just another take another breath and have a promo. Hi there, 3CR listeners. This is Shane Howard, the Goanna fella. These are strange and tough times, and a lot of people are doing it really hard. But they will pass. Be kind to yourself and others. Buy local, and like 3CR, support local businesses and local artists. Don't be afraid to reach out for help if you need it. And don't hold back giving it if you can. Thanks to 3CR for being their collective voice. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial. 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the ways in which power is channelled away from the people at a grassroots level. So if you're feeling a little bit powerless, we're, I suppose, talking about some of the reasons that that might be happening. We've just been talking about local government. Finally, we wanted to say a few words about what is happening or not happening in community health and the implications we've seen for the re-emergence of the coronavirus in Melbourne. Mm. In our program, the coronavirus and the fault lines in our system, now meanwhile two months ago, I think, we talked yeah, about Mark. the ways in which our, our governments have dealt with the pandemic as a medicalised health issue following the long-term destruction of our preventative health service systems, which work with communities, with communities, where health mm. or ill health is happening. And just as a quick... Uh, uh, in the interlude here, Dr. Grazer in Thursday's age confirmed very clearly that the destruction of the health system in Victoria started in the mid-90s under mm-hmm. Kenneth, and not only because of the fact that the, the hospitals became businesses in their own individual right, but also much of the preventative network of uh, health centres, community health centres, was basically brought back under the control of the hospitals and lost, therefore, its community development and preventative nature. Mm. So it was good to see that being confirmed as well publicly. Uh, mm-hmm. that was about yeah. Perhaps Thursday, we can start to do something about it. Mm, mm. Exactly. Apart from all the ulterior motives behind the commentary in newspapers and other news channels, especially by those wanting to inflict damage on Dan Andrews, the dramatic and full lockdown of the public housing blocks offers some, some lessons for the present mm-hmm. theme and links to several of our previous programs as well. In Tuesday's mm-hmm. age, Najat Moussa, resident in the Flemington Estate and studying community development, powerful, powerfully illustrated the consequences of the dismantling of community-based services during the neoliberal impositions of the last 30, 30 years. As mm-hmm. we suggested in our earlier programs on the pandemic, there are certainly fault lines in the public health system. As to the massive and heavy-handed police intervention in the public housing blocks, we let mm-hmm. Najat say it herself, and so much better. Here she goes. 
the choice to deploy large numbers of public order police as the government's frontline response has disempowered residents, local community networks and health responses. Instead of police, health and social workers, housing personnel and community leaders need to be resourced and empowered to communicate the chief health officer's directions in partnership with residents and their communities. Mm, yes, in partnership with residents and their communities. Mm, exactly. Yeah, pro- mm. Probably a good start for the Victorian government would be to have a listen to our, our we humbly suggest, to our four 3PR <laughs> podcasts on community development and for the federal government to start distributing the now misspent and rorted community development grants divert them to real community development projects and processes. Uh, or perhaps the governments should just ask Naja Musa. Or probably have a chat with us. Yeah. Uh, just saying that uh, leads me in our final kind of announcements. Uh, the New Community Journal, uh, we had great difficulties with all of the coronavirus thing, of course. So our first issue is now out for the year, and it is on grassroots work and grassroots activism, and where mm. has that gone over the last couple of years. So uh, if you are interested in that, just get in touch with Borderlands, and uh, we will certainly make sure that you will be sent a copy, electronic or hard copy. Mm. Mm. And meanwhile, uh, on another note, the federal government is making a decision, currently a decision about extending Centrelink COVID supplements. If you want to help keep Centrelink payments above poverty levels on a permanent basis, go to the campaign at go to raisetherate.org.au. That's raisetherate.org.au. Or uh, alternatively, grab your pens if you want to make a phone call. You can ring the treasurer. Josh Frydenberg on zero two six two double seven seven three four zero. That's Treasurer Josh Frydenberg on I'll say it one more time zero two six two double seven seven three four zero. Go to the phone. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet and Jennifer Borel. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email borderlands, borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We also thank Leanne today yet again for pulling this program Mm -hmm. together from the 3CR studio while Jennifer and I were connected remotely by phone. Mm. Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and their friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothu Hindi. Looking for you, searching for something new. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.